he had like that stuff in every single crevice and it was either rip the stuff open i ended up just ripping it out what the f- is going on down there Four eight seven is not a computer name. Uh, that only worked last last week. Well, actually, if you look at the dates, only a few days ago. But this is WTF and TFW. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm Evangelist. I'm the host. I'm the editor. I'm the 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 guy who makes it wetter in the when he pees. Hi, Seth. Hi. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. Um, yeah. For those who follow me on Twitter know my cat died last weekend, um, almost yeah. a week ago at the time of this recording. And if you've been listening for a while, you may recall a couple of years ago, uh, my cat Banjo would make little appearances on the show. Like he'd walk into the room while we were recording and he'd start meowing at me or uh, or uh, his bell would jingle on his collar yeah. as he jumped in my lap or whatnot. Um, and his collar is currently hanging off my microphone, uh, but the bell's broken. Otherwise, I jingle it. Yeah, <laughs> um, the bell's still there. Just the little P inside or whatever must have fallen out or something. It doesn't jingle anymore. Uh, but you know, hanging in there. Yeah, yeah. Of course, like uh. On this, is, this sounds really stupid. On record condolences, of course, is what I was going to say. That sounds lousy. Uh, I'm super bummed out from a distance. So, like I told you before, we got going on this. I can only imagine uh, how how much that sucks. And uh, yeah, you know, folks follow you on Twitter, or if you follow Seth on Twitter, you probably know. But if not, then uh, yeah, if you recall any any good old jingles and meows from before, go back find those episodes and then have a listen again. Maybe yeah. tell me where those all are, because I don't remember at all. I just remember them happening. I remember one time Banjo knocked your microphone over yeah. uh, while we were recording. Oh, there was one episode um, when I was still living at my dad's where he went under the desk as we were recording and stepped on the power switch on the uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. on the uh, power strip, the surge protector, and completely shut down my computer. <laughs> During every recording, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I knew our, uh, he had gone under there, and then all of a sudden, like my computer screen goes black, and I'm like, "What happened?" Oh. Yeah, he was our guy who left us one star reviews on iTunes. He <laughs> <laughs> was he had enough. He's like, "Nope, turning this thing off." Uh, anyway, this this week uh, or this episode, we're primarily just doing listener questions because. All the news that I've read is is about now. Here's pictures from the the back end of some Power of the Primes toys. They're all from Wave One, which means that like probably by year's end we'll have talked about all of them and what we got this week um, multiple times. So I figured it's I just don't find it all that interesting to actually talk about on the podcast. Uh, so we're gonna do some listener questions here. I pulled out uh, four of them uh, for us to go through. Uh, this first one's from Spine98. She says, hello, podcast crew. Obviously, the toys, TV shows, and movies are huge parts of the Transformers brand. However, many other things have spawned from the overall success of the brand. One of my favorite things that we've gotten from the franchise are some memorable original songs. Uh, Linkin Park's New Divide, uh, which I think was at least like paid for because it was going to be in a movie. Weird Al's Dare to be Stupid. 
uh, which actually wasn't original for Transformers, no. if you ever ask Weird Al. Yeah, Weird uh, Al says he didn't even know until the movie came out. Yeah. That that said, its weird position certainly has cemented in Transformers because they, whether or not he knew, it became a Transformers thing by the time animated rolled around. Uh, and then, it was uh, a Spine Devo style parody. Yeah, it was, a, it was a full-on Devo parody, basically. Yeah, well, Weird Al does like the straight-up parodies where it's like, I've changed the words to this song. And then oh, he also yeah, yeah. does style parodies where yeah. it's an original song in the style of an established act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, that the whole, the whole revelation over the years of how much that wasn't made for, for like the junkions, let alone even the transformers movie was, uh, was kind of fun to discover. Yeah. Well, uh, in, the, uh, in the weird owl, uh, behind the music, VH1 episode, uh, Mark Mother's Bond Devo says uh, he was jealous of the of how good of a Devo song it was and has never forgiven Weird Al for writing such a good Devo song. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Spine 98's personal favorite and his list of songs is, uh, and he says, clearly the best one despite what Seth says on Twitter. I don't remember Wrong. where that came from. Fake news. Uh, Stan Bush's The Touch. Fake news. Which... I guess you hate or something. No, I heard, it was the I heard day Seth that, hates the touch. Well, it was the day that um, Twitter raised the character limit to 280. Oh, okay. And my first tweet of the new character limit was, I don't need 280 characters to tell you that that dare is a better song than the touch. <laughs> I, I barely remember that day because I I thought I was being original when I did it because I didn't see this, but apparently I just joined the train of people who would just like type a character for mm-hmm. 280 characters. Oh yeah, my Twitter feed was jammed up with that garbage. <laughs> yeah, because I just saw, I just was doing it as a test. I was like, okay, can I how long can I hold the A button down? What's this little thing winding up? This weird little clock thing now. Oh, I hate the clock thing. I like the clock the, thing's really I irritating. Like the numbers that counted down, and when you get yeah. close, it does turn into a number countdown. So the numbers are there, which bothers me more because I'm like, the numbers are a hundred times more helpful than that dumb meter. Yeah, but then again, I can see I'm charging my meter, and I get it. That's neat. We all uh, got over the blue lines. We'll get over the <laughs> yeah. meter. We, I mean, we all. We whine about it, but technically, we all also got over the part where, like, the what you miss, you might have missed section, that lousy oh, thing. That still bugs me. The thing and that really makes me reply them, to people. Yeah. And I really hate them surfacing what other people liked. Yeah, that bugs me too, because, like, like yeah, that and the what you missed thing only bugs me for the most part because. I hate it when I like I don't care if I reply to someone 20 hours after they tweeted. I don't like it when I reply to someone thinking they just tweeted it yeah. and it's and then I realize it's been 20 hours cuz then I'm like, okay, well, if I knew it was 20 hours, I might have rethought if I wanted to even surface this again cuz now that I replied to it, anyone who follows us is going to see it again. They might think it's a fresh tweet and then blah blah blah. Sometimes those things are topics where maybe you don't want to resurface that thing right away well and i'll get Uh, things in that what you missed that i didn't miss it's like yeah that too i i've seen this sometimes i get the what you might have missed and it's like hey i replied to that twitter like surely as a computer you can tell my account has said hello yeah and the whole thing about showing other people what you've liked is irritating because i might want to acknowledge something that i saw but not to the point of retweeting it. And now I'm like being secret. I'm secretly retweeting. 
Well, your dice roll retweeting it. You're yeah. pulling the slot machine, you know? <laughs> Stupid. Anyway, uh, Spine98 says, I DJ for an online radio station, and I often play some of these tunes that I got to know through Transformers. Uh, anyway, this makes me wonder, what other non-toy, non-TV, non-movie things people have enjoyed from the Transformers world? Uh, music, inside jokes, random apparel, influences on other shows. What are you most excited that you've gotten because of the Transformers. Thanks, and click. And I'm just going to say off the bat, I'm guessing that comic books would roll into toy TV movie given that they're... That, like, that that little foursome of things often is, like, the main media push for Transformers. Yeah. So I'm thinking, like, outside of that stuff. Yeah, um, as I was trying to think this question through, I just changed it from toy slash TV slash movie to media like what yeah. from Transformers media besides the toys. And I couldn't think of nothing. <laughs> like my, some of my, like ob- the obvious answer I can give that's a little bit of a corny answer, but it's true is, you know, obviously the people I've met through liking Transformers. Yeah. That was are my, probably my top suggestion one. because I was like, I can't think of anything here. And she goes, well, there's all the people, the community. She goes, I don't know if you want to say that because it might sound corny. <laughs> I mean, it does, but it's also true. It's like yeah. that's to me is a hundred times more important than anything else I can think of. Especially since most of the other things I can think of directly relate to the community. You know, like I, I do enjoy some of our our lingering inside jokes. Like, you know, the way that that we as a fandom have figured out fifty plus variations and evolutions on Truck Not Monkey is pretty impressive at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though some of those variations also get trying at times. Uh, another inside joke I really like because it still works sometimes on people is when I can just say this thing's that the next dancing sound wave when someone gets that it just you know puts a smile on my face. Uh, apparel though, like I really can't think of random apparel because uh, most of the time when I think Transformers apparel, I think logos on T-shirts. Somewhere between logos on T-shirts, mashup shirts. And then, like, those super gaudy, like, hey, we put the whole box art on this, this set of pajamas. Uh, and and well, you look like a walking billboard. If we're going to talk about, like, forum memes, like the TFW, Jaxus equals jerk, he tell me. Yeah. <laughs> or he tell me, Jaxus equals jerk. I'll still use equals jerk in different... <laughs> Like to people who like like people in normal life that would have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, oh, blank equals jerk. He tell me, and I'm like, what? I'm like, he tell me. <laughs> That's even generational. Like like the, the TFW actual boards outside of the podcast sub forum, which is of course the best of the boards that you can go to. Uh, I decided to start pushing that because it's also true. Uh, not to pat myself on the back, but uh, there there is a, a thing going around that like. I missed when it started. I just it spread to enough subforums. I've caught on that TFW has a thing of writing in blue text is supposed to be sarcasm, but as an in joke, not as I'm a so highlighter. out of touch with the rest of TFW. I I don't know who anybody is, or I would not have known that. Yeah, there there are times where like I've I've come to realize that like you know I like my history is with TFW, but the actual current community many times I feel very separated from. <laughs> Like most of the people that I know and talk to in the community, I talk to not in the community. I talk to them face to face or one on one elsewhere. Uh, there's still things I like in the community. I like I like the uh, 
I guess you could call it the group think when like a new figure comes out, especially a new third party figure and people are just actively just digging in and figuring stuff out about it, uh, especially like weirder third party figures released by smaller companies where it's like not everyone precisely knows what it is able to do or how well it does stuff. Like I like I like that stuff, the feedback threads, you know, like when 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 feedback threads and just general toy feedback starts happening. Once you sift out some of the more cartoony or like bandwagony stuff, there's always some real fun idea share going on in there. And I like the Radicon section as well. I, I really like the mega threads in Toy Arc because whenever I want to get into a toy line or just know about it, I can just find the mega thread. And there's like like the, the Diet Clone reboot mega thread is where I've been lurking lately because I'm, I'm looking into that line some more. And uh, there are there are like 300 pages of information in there that are fairly useful. But uh yeah, it's weird because I'm like, we're less of a message board podcast now and more of the podcast hosted by TFW, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just keep inviting people like, hey, come on and hang out in the podcast sub forum because it's generally cool in there. Uh, now that I've said that, I want to knock on wood a whole bunch. <laughs> Stay cool. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's also, by the way, one I'd like to open up to the listeners, uh, who are my favorite users of TFW 2005, the people who listen and post in the podcast forum. Uh, this is anything else like, you know, non-media and then kind of the only reason I didn't say non-media is because I, I have to almost like add the footnote of like, in this context, we're going to say music is non-media <laughs> in a way. Well, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So when I was like really thinking out this question and trying to like think of things, uh, besides the community. Um, first I misunderstood the question and I thought he was asking like what other music from other things. And I'm like, well, cold slither from GI Joe, of course. And then I realized, Oh, that's not what he's talking about. Um, I, I like, as I was thinking about it, like I was like, I started thinking, well, the whole point of all this media is to sell you on the toys. And so the, like even the Stan Bush songs or the Lincoln park song, like being something that people decided that they also liked, not necessarily because of it being in a transformers thing, but just because they liked the song um, is almost like accidental. Like we put songs in this because it's a movie and we couldn't just use the same music two music cues that we use in the cartoon over and over again. I I feel Uh, like it's accidental is almost the answer for a lot of the Transformers franchise. Like a lot of its best stuff almost happened. Like a lot of the best stuff in Transformers was not severely planned. Yeah. At least, you know, until, until you get to like high end, product you know like even some of the best shows i think they became great but in their first even i would say like the first season of most of the best shows were kind of like we don't know if this is our only season so we're just gonna we're gonna roll with this thing as a solid 13 episode episodic and then we'll see what happens and then you know the stuff like the comic books i think like the current state of idw i've never got the story fully straight in my head and i'm sure the info's out there but i feel like the creatives that have been at the head of a lot of the IDW stuff for the last, uh, you know, five, six years happened to be in the right place and had gotten themselves into the right position to come in and grab hold of the, the weird, like, bucking bronco that was Transformers comics and, like, get it under control. Um, 
and that it, it certainly wasn't like a grand plan from starting in 05 when idw comics started uh so yeah like the fact that transformers even can can output legitimate media even though to this day it still is a toy commercial is like just a very strange story that doesn't apply to a lot of things yeah you know <laughs> and you certainly couldn't set out to get something like this going now because uh, I'm not like that's the other weird thing is Transformers does all this on the the spine of strong nostalgia, but then like the marrow of the spine is the fact that Transformers also never stopped. So it has like levels of nostalgia, like decade jumps it can do that are still nostalgic, uh, and it's not it's not nostalgia for one thing from the '80s anymore. Even though often it's it's remembered that way, like a lot of the stuff people remember as being parts of what they love of G1 I've noticed sometimes there are things that stem from like the 90s even like that have just kind of in in the way that we think about stuff it all gels together like Transformers is a monster it's a big spooky lovely monster well and the whole thing with nostalgia right now is in a really weird state where it's like Mm. things have just never gone away in in a lot of cases And some new stuff, like with music, um, it's like is that like is like early two thousands pop music going to be nostalgic at all? Like, like in the way that there's no, there's nostalgia for seventies music, sixties music, eighties music, um. Mm-hmm. 90s music seems to almost be the end um and like i don't mean that as a critique against early 2000s or even now 2010s quality music because mm-hmm. everyone ages out of popular music but like i remember in the 80s there was a lot of 50s nostalgia going on like there were the friggin' stray cats was a band based on sounding like the 50s yeah and you had movies coming out in the eighties that were set in the fifties because they were appealing to now the young adults of the eighties who were children in the fifties. And then we got into the nineties the and there was all this nostalgia for the sixties and it, like it moves up and then there's nostalgia mm-hmm. for the seventies. And, and now we're at a point where like nothing ever goes away. Like transformers has yeah. never gone away. They're from the eighties. Um, Ninja Turtles has never gone away. Like they may ebb and flow a little bit, and and decrease. Yeah, like, like, like tra- Transformers. In Transformers is the rare example of one that literally never went away. But yeah. like, yeah, like Ninja Turtles, the breaks Ninja Turtles had were not long enough to really remember that it went away. Like long enough to have a generational right. gap. Yeah. Star Wars went away for a while, but then came back in the '90s and will now never go away. Um, yeah and i think part of this because this has always been my answer about like the weird like with music specifically i think part of it is also like a lot of a lot of music became not only past referential but also cross genre uh in a way that i think in the end helps it a lot but then not just music but media in general uh used to be nostalgic because of like distance but then sometime in the i believe in the 90s 90s going into the 2000s Every generation could, in real time, as instantly as they want, experience like five past decades of media in a blink. And so 
nostalgia, I think, kind of ended in the late 90s in a way, like in a major way, at least, because from that point on, everyone was taught and made nostalgic for everything that we were nostalgic for in the 90s, basically. And so you get micro nostalgia of like, oh, I remember a thing from 10 years ago. But you've also been able to like instantly rewatch that thing over and over again without worrying about tape decay or were you there to tape it or anything. And so I think like the the way that digital media has made everything so accessible has started to deconstruct nostalgia and like at least it's made nostalgia a really weird shared experience now where like people 20 years younger than you are somehow nostalgic for the same stuff you are in in well, there's specific ways over the like in the last few years, <clears throat> I've known multiple people in their 20s who almost exclusively listen to rock music from the 70s and 80s. Yeah, like they listen to classic rock and that's it. Like their favorite bands are like Led Zeppelin and and uh, and like uh, stuff from that are uh, Pink Floyd and and Judas Priest and. And then I go, oh, do you listen? Well, what what are current bands you like? And then they just go, I don't. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was born in the wrong decade, I guess. <laughs> also, like, a lot of current pop. There was a period in the late 2000s, early 2010s. I, I would say through early 2010s. I might be wrong there. But, like, a period where there was a modern pop era where a lot of the, <clears throat> the, the backing tracks were being done by really strong uh, electronic artists. That was making that into a little, I feel like it was making it into this really neat era. But then it feels like a lot of those artists or something like just sort of ebbed away and pop music. Even people who like pop music have told me, you know, the the few times I get get to ask the question that like modern pop is kind of boring right now. Yeah, Uh, like uh, a lot of it's very, very good. Well, I I was listening to a thing and the person was breaking down how like modern music is produced. And this isn't the case Mm -hmm. across the board. Like there are still like your traditional rock band where the band writes their songs, but like pop music, basically pop music where it's, it's not a band. It's the singer. That is the whole thing. And then there'll be like a band on stage if you see them live, but they're kind of inconsequential. You don't know the band. You only know the singer. Um, the way mm. most most all that stuff is is created now is you have producers, and they create all the music in computer. Like the all all the instruments are synthesized and programmed in a computer. Then that music is made available. Like there's catalogs basically catalogs of music and then other people can peruse that music. Oh, and then they may hire like may or may not hire um, these like session singers who might just be a woman in an apartment with a microphone and they'll sing to the music and either they'll just make up gibberish words or they'll just sing melody along to the music to give an idea of what vocals could sound like, then I'm just going to pull a name. I'm just going to say Rihanna. We'll hear one of these tracks and go, Oh, I could do something with that. And then like, yeah, they'll buy the song they'll buy the music. And then either the singer will write their own lyrics or their writers will write lyrics for them. And then they record it and it's done. 
and <laughs> well, there's a like going off this. Um, there's an artist who I, I've only listened to you know some of her big stuff, but like Sia uh, has done an interview where she said that like most of the money she actually makes is she writes and produces templates of songs. Like I think even not just templates, but like she'll like make a beta version of a pop song and then sell it basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, like that, that fits into that machine completely. Or I think um, an, an artist I recently got into, Cassandra Nostalgia, uh, has said that, like she does similar work of like like you can. I think I think I read this in an interview. Like you can you can make a decent amount of money by just like being part of that pop music machine if you're good at what you do. Um, but yeah, it, it I think has come at the expense of like the, of pop music just not really engaging with even its own most excited audience uh, in the last two or three years. So I wonder where it'll go because I've certainly never been anti-modern music. Like I'm, I'm way into a lot of uh, certain things. Like I like, I like industrial and dark wave and whatnot a whole lot. But a lot of that stuff also cross-pollinates into pop music due to the way it's made now. So there's been plenty of pop I've kind of gotten into off and on. But uh, I, I feel like there needs to be a shift again, and I wonder what it'll be. That's always the exciting thing for me about about like modern big budget music is like. Eventually, it has to do something, and whether or not that something is good or connects with me is, is you know, yes or no. But I always look forward to the next like weird thing it does. Yeah. Well, there's still rock bands out there. I just don't know how you discover any oh, yeah. of them. And I used to, uh, I, mean, I uh, used to catch wind of bands when they would be on Letterman, but Letterman's not yeah. on anymore. And I don't watch any of the current late night talk shows. Like I kind of retired from late night talk shows with Letterman. But like, yeah, like that's how I discovered the heavy. The heavy is an awesome band. Uh, my, my mom uh, kept up with the Colbert version of the late show. And she said that he's doing a pretty good job of maintaining the tradition of like bringing in fairly, you know, not not every week. But she says she's seen a lot of really interesting new bands through that show. So I think that's one avenue. The, the one I know about is like uh, uh, Bandcamp.com and digital distribution where like bands just create a following through live shows and social media and then just self-release through platforms like Bandcamp. Like that's how I got into a lot of uh, synthwave artists uh, in the last little while. Um, I think self-published stuff or at least like small scale, like non-label published stuff is one of the big futures for music, uh, which I'm okay with because I think that the collapse of big labels is going to come hand in hand with the collapse of the worst parts of current cable television. Um so I kind of look forward to that stuff. But yeah, it, it's it's harder to just tell someone how to discover music now because it's like you need to have a fairly concrete starting point. Uh, whereas before you could just flip on the radio and be pretty sure you'll hear something in the next hour. Yeah, well, the radio um, station I used to listen to here, Live 105, was the modern rock station. And it was great in mm-hmm. the 90s. They played new music all the time. Um, but modern Live 105 is... I don't know why anyone would waste their time because they're still playing the same stuff they were in the nineties plus yeah. like poppy songs that are already on the pop station. So like, it's such like a weird swing in what they're playing. It's like this weird kind of synthesized pop song and then the red hot chili peppers and then another yeah. weird <laughs> sort of synth pop song and Nirvana. But then they've boiled all those bands down to like one, maybe two songs. So it's under the bridge. (laughs) That's it. That's all you're (laughs) going to hear from the Chili Peppers, where they used to have like 10 Chili Pepper songs that might play on on any given day. 
Yeah, that's that's surprising to me because I, f- I feel like the future for a lot of radio is to get very much into the DJ's own taste. You know, like like have the DJ almost be the host. Oh, of that's dead. Sh- that was dead in the nineties. Oh, such a was, shame. Yeah, no, everything's ridiculous. Um, the so way I they feel program like, like radio so- now is horrendous. It's the only way radio makes sense to me is you're tuning in to hear a selection from someone whose taste you are at least interested in. No, everything's focus group tested to hell. Like they they do like radio surveys. Um, God, what you, I was going to say, what even is focus group testing for radio in 2017? Well, I've done a couple of like, them. <laughs> like I, I had done them a couple times in the past, like online radio surveys. And and it will be like the name of an artist and then you'll your choices will be like your choices will be like my like i love them i like them i don't know them i dislike them i hate them or and then like okay okay, here's the first 15 seconds of this song i i love it i like it i'm indifferent I don't know the song sort of a thing. And then what, like, how can you even, (laughs) yeah, well, what I was told. So my dad used to be friends with a San Francisco DJ, um, from a radio station called K fog. And he would spill the beans on how radio worked like crazy. Like there was a point he didn't care anymore. And then he retired and then he really didn't care. And (laughs) so in those surveys, he said, if there's, if you take one of these surveys and there's a song that you hate, mark it as either indifferent or I'm not familiar with it. Because any strong reaction, like I hate it, scores as high as I love it. Because they, they only want to play songs that everybody knows now. Like there's no room yeah. for songs that, are, that aren't known. So God, yeah. So they're gonna they're that's, filtering out that's any how you song. Kill it. Yeah, that's why music how do you sucks sur- now. How do you survive with that in the face of stuff like you know, like uh, what's it, AccuRadio and the other really big one everyone uses? Um, oh, for the ratings. Oh. No, no, like, for uh, you know, st- streaming music. Oh, like like where you just turn it on and say, hey, I know these artists, suggest me some more, and just play me music. Oh, like Spotify um, and Pandora? Spotify, that's the yeah. one. Yeah, Spotify, Pandora, AccuRadio. Like, how do you, like, like, what you described is how you kill radio in the face of that competition. Yeah. I guess maybe that's happening. <laughs> now that I'm saying it. Yeah. Uh, we should probably, this all actually really relates to the next listener question in a few ways, so we should probably oh, yeah, swing into that question. one. <laughs> Because uh, this one comes from Switchblade. Uh, he says, uh, Switchblade here with a brief listener question for you all. It's a bit of a weird one, but it popped into my head tonight, and I thought it'd make for some fun discussion. The G1 versions of Ravage, Laser Beak, Rumble, Steeljaw, etc. alternated cassette tapes. Now, we know that they were capable of recording and playing back more than just audio, but the cassette mode was still a form they used to stay hidden on Earth. So here's my question. Let's assume the cassettes had some kind of default audio track that they could play as part of the whole disguise thing. If you picked up one of the cassette bots in alt mode and popped them into a regular tape player, what do you think each one would play? Uh, for example, it makes sense to me that Buzzsaw would play like a cassette nah. single of the Simple Minds song Don't You Forget About Me. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, thanks, and please enjoy this appropriately clicky video of the sound of a cassette being inserted into a tape deck, and I don't have any through line to play that easily here, so I'll figure something out, hopefully. I don't forget to. 
But uh, I thought this was a kind of a cool question because I've always seen like uh, rapper labels have done sticker sheets for the third party KFC cassettes and they came up with all these uh, interesting like labels to put on the actual little cassette case um, with like artwork based on, on whatever. Like I think one of them was based on Bad Out of Hell. Uh, I wanted to cover this question, uh, but also I wanted to say up front that, like, I actually don't know enough 80s music to probably give accurate or appreciable answers to any of this. Um, the first character song combination that popped into my head was Rumble, uh, listening or playing, um, Feel the Noise. By Quiet Riot. That sounds appropriate. Because, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I only got about as far as, like, I bet the Decepticon tapes would play hair metal. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that was about it. I couldn't I couldn't get much farther. <laughs> I was like, because I, I, my original thought was like, oh, uh, and I don't even know if this is an 80s song. This is how bad I am. I was like, I bet Soundwave, if he was a cassette, would play Master of Puppets. But then I was like, he's not a cassette. He's a cassette player. Yeah, Master of Puppets was out in the 80s. Okay. Because uh, I, I discovered Metallica in 1999, 2000-2001 uh-huh. so era. So after they like, started sucking. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I got into a bunch of a bunch of their 80s stuff. And, and basically, thanks to Napster, funnily enough, I got into Metallica for a brief period. Uh, it was thanks to Napster and Apocalyptica that I checked out Metallica. And then eventually I went like, I kind of like the Apocalyptica versions more. And then also, wow, these Metallica guys seem to be kind of dicks about the thing that I discovered them through. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I wonder if I should send them a letter <laughs> when, so in my mind, um, the black album is the last good Metallica album and then reload or loaded and reloaded is, um, that's some other band. Um, <laughs> but like, mm-hmm. I remember when loaded was coming out so like, they hadn't had a record in years. And this guy I worked with at the time, um, we called EP, uh, he just went by his initials. Um, was super excited, pre-ordered the record, like left work early to go pick it up. And me and another guy are like, oh man, like I I can't wait to hear what EP thinks about the new Metallica song. And then he drives up and I'm like, oh, here he is now. And he gets out of his truck. He comes storming up the driveway toward the warehouse, carrying the CD and before either of us had a chance to say anything, he just threw it against the wall and said, <laughs> and like said a bunch of obscenities. And he goes, look at this garbage. And he pulls out the liner notes and opens it up to like the pictures of the band with their haircut and uh-huh. like a uh, Lars Ulrich wearing eye liner. Look at this. <laughs> and we're like, Oh, okay. Well, all right. Well, how are the songs? He goes, one of them's a country song. He goes, I don't even want it anymore. Do you want it? And this other guy's like, oh, I'll take it and listen to it. He goes, I don't even want it. I like the part where he's the first thing he did when he got to work was to throw it at the wall. Oh, yeah. That's the EP was a hothead. <laughs> That's where you're like, thank goodness the internet was not readily available at this <laughs> <laughs> Although granted, the, the internet version of that probably would have been less destructive. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah like I, I'm really stuck on a lot of these. Like I think Laserbeak might be some like early industrial 
because I think industrial started uh, mm. started to to emerge in the '80s. So I think the timing might be right for that. And his name is Laserbeak. So at least, if not early industrial, at least some early synthy stuff. Oh, uh, um, like no, oh, keep talking. I just lost one to look up. And then uh, I was just thinking, like, like Ravage and Steeljaw, the the animal ones. I'm like, well, there's that Welcome to the Jungle song, which I think was from the 80s. Yeah, or the I was 70s. Thinking, I'm not too sure. I was sure. just thinking for Ravage. Um, I forget the name of the album. I'm trying to find a picture of the cover. I just can't. I I can never piece 80s music away from late 70s and early 90s because of the proximity and the way that like i didn't really get into music until the 90s okay the, uh, the outside of the transformers theme okay. song. i'm gonna send you a link to this album cover so judas priest defenders of the faith that seems like <laughs> a right. ravage just from the album cover if nothing else oh yeah that's <laughs> i mean that's a, that seems like something that's a, a robot and that's then, a robot feline thing with tank treads. <laughs> then I don't know why, but I keep thinking Duran Duran for Razor Claw. I don't know why, but I just keep thinking of Duran Duran <laughs> when I think Laser Claw in, in the or Razor Claw in this context. Like I don't, I haven't been spending my life thinking that, but just trying to think of um, who would go with what. Frenzy would probably yeah. listen to like some some ladder punk like some of the more frantic kind of punk maybe maybe some black flag or something <laughs> it's a hardcore band yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of anyone else i think the only other cassettes really left are the autobot ones and i would guess they'd all be listening to like friendly rock music yeah yeah like they're like, from the 80s yeah, like duran duran uh, yeah <laughs> I was like eject and rewind. Like, I I think I think I feel like they seem like new wave guys. Oh, I forgot what their G one personalities are. Yeah, I one of them would be listening to like new wavy stuff. The other one would just be listening to like political radio. I think. <laughs> and I okay, who's left? Uh, the Rhino, uh, well, Ramhorn. Maybe short of political radio, they listen to more political minded stuff. So maybe like. Um, uh, Public enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like one's listening to public enemy and the other one's listening to talking heads. <laughs> I'm still trying to think of a Ramhorn thing. What's a rhino listen to? Um Bon Jovi. <laughs> it's like All right. it's like rock, but once he's an Autobot, it's not like metal. It's like poppy rock. <laughs> Maybe some poison. <laughs> Warrant. <laughs> All right, he's, all right. He's definitely listening to Winger. <laughs> These are all starting to turn into like names I've heard in TV, but I haven't actually really listened to the music of. No, I'm just I'm right now. Ramhorn would have to be listening to something less silly. Um, a rhino's got to listen to something heavier. What if he's like like a real soft-hearted rhino though? <laughs> Like he's a big bad rhino and everyone thinks he's listening to the heaviest stuff and then he's just listening to like folk or something like that. Yeah, who knows, maybe. Um 
Once again, by the way, this is a question I would love to open up to listeners who have real strong opinions on what would have played in the Autobot and Decepticon uh, cassettes back in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google image search Judas Priest Defenders of the Faith. And that is quite quite the artwork. <laughs> If I can, if I can get myself to remember to go download this on the MacBook, I'm just going to make this the cover for the podcast. I think "Screaming for Vengeance" is another great robot animal cover. I'll send you that one real quick here. Maybe yeah, that's good for this. Laserbeak or Buzzsaw. I know we've got actual music. Oh God, that's got to be Laserbeak. <laughs> if that's not Laserbeak, then like whoever is in charge of this whole project needs to be fired <laughs> and punched. And then fired again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know there are some people who actually have, like, I, like for instance, Matt Oreo, I believe, is actually working in radio and stuff. And there's probably people who have very, very heavy opinions on music. And I want to hear about your opinions in the positive way, where you tell us what cassette would be listening to what. Uh, so please drop in a thread and let us know. Uh, we've got another listener question here from Mugenroid, who says, Greetings to the WFTF. Man, my tongue ain't working here. Here we go. To the podcast crew. <laughs> what state would the Transformers franchise be in today if the Sunbow cartoon had never been produced? North Dakota. And would the Diet Clone and... Yep. Uh, that's that's <laughs> where Hasbro would have moved after the whole, <laughs> the whole industry just crashed on their heads in the late 80s. Uh... And would the Diet Clone and New Microman lines still have ended where they did without the huge media backing that Transformers had? Cut click. Uh, so if the Sunbow cartoon had never been produced, that would mean because that that was the second piece of media. The first piece of media was the Marvel comic. Mm-hmm. I think that that would mean that the Marvel comic probably would have had a whole lot more pressure put onto it, and it either would have ended earlier and the whole thing would be over, or the Marvel comic would have rolled a 20 on the D20 and something amazing would have happened and we'd be remembering this as a comic book franchise and not a cartoon. Um, that Hypothetically, to me, the, that's kind of the, the next main fork in the road that would have happened, with the big likelihood being this probably would have all just crashed and burned. Um I don't recall if Diaclone stuff was still even coming out when the Transformers came out, uh, but I bet you that that resurgence Microman line from the 2000s probably wouldn't have happened the way it happened if Transformers uh, did not happen and continue through to the 2000s. Uh, I think there's a chance that if the Transformers project fell apart, Takara probably would have tried to revive Microman and maybe the more sci-fi side of Diaclone in the 90s. Um, but given how Transformers was successful and Takara still needed to, to be acquired by Tomy, I think things would only really have gotten worse for them, uh, historically, uh, if the Sunbow cartoon had not done how well it did. Um, I've been thinking about Diaclone a lot this last week because of those friggin' reboot toys and that, that new one coming out, but I don't know, Seth, have you got any ideas on the, on the world without the cartoon? Well, it's such like a, a hypothetical question. I mean... We're, we would just Absolutely. be speculating. You might say it's, it's a hypothetical situation. That's what you might say. You might say it's a hypothetical situation time. It's like the even. plot for It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Um, Except it's a franchise. Yeah, not a banker. <laughs> a person. <laughs> um, not a human. Well, <laughs> not a person, not a thing with feelings or well, thoughts. Well, you might argue that bankers aren't really human, but... Uh, <laughs> This was back like in the oldie days where they might have still been humans. Anyway, um, 
Uh, Much respect to the bankers out there listening. No. You're, no. You're, oh, wow. You're horrendous people and you ruin the world. <laughs> um, and you always have. You always will. <laughs> anyway, um, no bankers listen to this anyway. They're too busy destroying people's livelihoods, um, <laughs> gentrifying neighborhoods and stuff. Anyway, um, uh, what's the question again? Oh, yeah. What would have happened? Well, so either the cartoon. Yeah, either it would have all been on the backs of the Marvel comic to carry the franchise, in which case it probably would have fizzled out. Um, or... Another show would have just happened later. And then who knows? It might have like, been too there's... late. Like, okay, so if there was never a Sumbo commercial or commercial, yeah, Freudian slip. I mean, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's never the Sumbo show and only the comic, but um, GoBot still had their show when they did then that could be another scenario where we're talking about GoBots now and Transformers was the other transforming toy that doesn't really exist anymore. But every now and then this company in Japan releases like some nostalgic figures and go, oh yeah, they made a new toy based on that other toy line that isn't the I think, GoBots. I think if we had... If we had like Transformers nostalgia in that universe, it would be Diaclone and Microman nostalgia. Like I think that yeah, that's the Transformers project would like yeah, like Takara Tomi would be making like Convoy, like Diaclone Convoy toys every now and then, like the way that they just started doing these like modernized die or yeah Diaclone um, things, but they wouldn't be advertised as transformers. They would just be like diaclone convoy, diaclone, whatever sunstreaker was called. Um, yeah. And then, but we would recognize it as, Oh, there was that short lived toy line and comic book. Yeah. It would, it would be over there with like the, uh, like diacron and chronoform as like, Oh, remember when they tried to bring that Japanese toy line over here is what it would be. Yeah. You know, and we, and then you might that go like, "Oh, remember when the GoBots? Remember that guy Bob Budiansky tried to bring those Diaclone and Microman things over here with their own fiction? That was kind of cute." Uh, but yeah, they got a new GoBots movie coming out. It's pretty sick. Like if GoBots had taken off, like you know, given how I is Tonka uh, is I'm gonna look this up. I think Tonka is an acquisition now. Probably what uh, isn't because Tonka, Tonka sure ain't. Oh, okay, they're connected to Maisto. Whatever that is. I'm, I'm looking at Wikipedia. Do you know who I blame? Uh, the bankers. Tonka is owned by Hasbro. Okay, so I bet you this all still would have come around back to being Hasbro doing stuff, but because they own Tonka, it would be Hasbro probably poking at things like the GoBots. Uh, oh, but you know what? GoBots have all the Bandai ties. That never would have happened. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know now how that would have gone because Bandai probably would like they're you know they would have had Gundam they would have been fine and probably still in the same place they are today uh I wonder if like Hasbro might have reached out to Bandai and tried to and come to some arrangement for their machine robo stuff through through acquiring Tonka uh I'm so curious now how do we get to check in like there's a Rick and Morty thing about like getting to look in on other dimensions how do we like Rick and Morty fans are all nuts how do we get them to to make that stuff real well, first of all, you have to be smart enough to be a Rick and Morty fan. 
Well, I'm not. That's why I'm talking about them, you know, from a distance. They're... <laughs> Um, uh, I was I just. Think, I think it's a fantastic idea for a question, though. Like, we had one of these earlier. I forgot what it was, but it was a similar one of like, what if the Transformers had went differently back when it was starting? And I, I, those are fun things to think about. Well, so I was bracketing my mind. I was trying to think of a toy line from the '80s that didn't have a TV show, but had a comic to to like look to. To, to get some sort of a, an idea of how that would go. And I could think of a bunch mm. of toy lines that had like one season of a, of a show or, or short lived run like mask or uh, in humanoids that did have comics. But I, and then I thought I thought of one. I thought I finally came up with one. But apparently they had a mini series, and that was Sectors. Yes, they. Oh, I never saw it. So they but had yes, a mini series, but that wasn't an ongoing series. And they did have a comic book, I believe. They had a comic, probably through DC. Um, so there's a toy line that doesn't exist in nostalgia, like or isn't being brought back. <laughs> Um, yeah. Robotics, I think that had a robotics short run show. Is, <clears throat> it had a pilot that got turned into a multi episode thing because it was like a pilot movie. Uh, if I'm thinking of the same thing, same thing for RoboForce, they had a pilot, mm-hmm. um, but I think it was only I think their pilot was 20 minutes. I think Robotics is the one that had like a movie length pilot, if I remember right, because it. I think Robotics is the one that had a lot of Transformers voices in it doing basically similar voices to their Transformers work. Like Susan Blue, I think, was in that as a a female robotics character. But the robotics characters, like, were all severely inhuman-looking robots with still very human personalities. Mm -hmm. Where I almost liked it more when I watched I was like, I wish this had become a thing. Because I I like how they're in the 80s doing the risky thing of, like, what if we give full personality to these like wildly inhuman creatures made of like just stuff. Uh, and it was really, I kind of, I kind of liked that pilot when I watched it. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I think I've exhausted most of my, my ideas. I'm, I'm the most readily excited about for, uh, for thinking of in this hypothetical. So, uh, for a third time, if any of you out there have any kooky ideas, please leave them in the thread. Uh, I like reading stuff like that, even if I don't respond or you know forget to respond because I do that great thing where I read it on my phone and I'm like, oh, that's great. And then I think I've replied but saying that. Um, I like reading that stuff in the threads for the podcast episodes. Uh, but Seth, we've got one more listener question here from Bioblade, and it has a bit of a story attached. Ooh, story time uh, with Bioblade. Should, want me to read this one to you or do you want to read this one? Oh, I'm going to stumble. I want to give the words. offer since it's a story. It's too long for okay. me to handle. I, my problem with reading is, out loud is I'm reading faster than I could talk. And then I stumble words and skip words and it's bad. It's, mm. If it was shorter, I would totally be up for it. But, uh, I, no I'm worries. Afraid. And I, uh, I usually, I usually, I usually end up kind of summarizing a lot of these longer stories. Like that's kind of my plan still going forward. So sometimes if you do send in a listener question and I kind of glaze over a fairly lengthy story attached to it, like, let me apologize now, but 
be be sure i did read your story just sometimes that they're sometimes they are kind of long well do you want uh, me to try it and do this you want sad me to try to read tale. the whole thing if you're just gonna gloss over it i could try i mean if you want to go for it I, I was gonna i was gonna give it a real solid summarization well uh, i mean the guy spent all that time writing all this stuff out I assume it's a guy. I don't all want right, to assume right. your gender, Bioblade. I don't. Me, no offense. <laughs> Greetings. If you, if you want to go for oh, it, okay. Here. Greetings to Vangelis and his crew of merry men. I have a sad, right. tragic tale to impart. You see, for years I have desperately desired a Transformer Prime First Edition Optimus Prime. The design is easily my favorite for the character of Optimus Prime. And neither the Deluxe or that Voyager with the silly LED gimmick do it justice. Sadly, I've always believed Mm -hmm. that finding a toy in person is much more rewarding than simply ordering it online. Plus, I've always found myself just a smidgen too late to the game when it comes to online orders. That's why you got to pre-order. And toys are already sold out or priced grossly overinflated by the time I have made the attempt. I search far and wide through the various Toys R Us locations in my state, but failed to come across this holy grail. Fearing I had lost my chance, I despaired at getting a copy. Then it miraculously got a second run, and I found myself making the same mistakes all over again. Another another fruitless (laughs) trek across the state, and again too late to purchase online at retail prices. Attempts to purchase it from collectors online at twice the retail value afterwards caused me to hesitate. And by the time I psyched myself up, these secondhand toys were already sold. Reach out and grab it. You got to go for it. Pre-orders. Years after I had given up, I was recently contacted by a fellow board member. That's the community we were talking about. Who offered me a beautiful custom painted copy for what I believe to be a reasonable price. We exchanged, we exchanged several messages over the course of an hour, and I agreed to the offer. Lo and behold, the seller had the toy on their eBay page, and it was purchased literally seconds after I made the offer through the forum. I spent the rest of the day oh. and much of the following one alternating between a depressive funk and raging over my own hesitant nature. I bet he punched a hole in the wall. I still, f- I still find, I still find get angry. I, am I reading? I still find get angry yeah, at myself. Typo. You see, I. This is how much I doubt myself that I thought it was me. I still find get angry at myself months after the fact. Whenever I think back upon it, at this point, I have given up on the toy. Just give up on your dreams. As I am give up. simply unwilling to pay ridiculous prices, near masterpiece level prices currently offered on eBay. Um, I looked it up on eBay just before we started recording. I saw one for 70 bucks. Um, I mean, that is that is cheap masterpiece. Yeah, that's like Bumblebee on was sale. a Voyager toy. Um, <laughs> my question yeah. to you is this. Do you have any similar tales to share ones where you were thwarted repeatedly in your attempts to obtain that which should be easy to find relatively cheap figure you just really really wanted only to be repeatedly thwarted whether by chance or your own stubbornness where afterwards you found yourself feeling generally angry 
whether at yourself, the seller, or the situation in general. How did you deal with those feelings? Booze. Did you eventually give up your goal? (laughs) Yes. Or continue to pursue it and make sacrifices until victory was achieved? Nah. Looking forward to hearing from you all. Bioblade out. (laughs) Click. Yeah, I got... I immediately had two stories that I thought of that have happened to me. They're certainly the thing about mine is they were not relatively easy to find cheap things. So I'm not sure if it's in the same spirit. Uh, As far as relatively easy to find cheap things, it was never something where I was really bummed out. I missed out on it because usually it was like I kind of don't really want to pay retail for this. And then I couldn't. And then it, it never went cheap. So I just skipped it. Like right now, uh, the leader scale movie Megatron from the last night a couple people keep telling me you really should give this toy a chance. And I'm like, I would, if I could find it in person for like 30 Canadian bucks, I don't want to pay 50 to 70 Canadian bucks in tax for it or the equivalent of getting it shipped from the States. I just don't want to. Uh, so like when it comes to retail toys, often that that's the story for me is like, I want it cheaper. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm just always wandering around, never finding it cheaper. But before I, I talk about my other, less relevant stories. Seth, has this ever happened to you? So there was, and now I'm going to forget exactly the name, but it was that movie Optimus Prime figure that had the little driver that popped up. Oh, that was from movie yes. one, the Voyager yeah, Prime. The Vision something. Robo Vision. God, why do I know all this? I knew you would. <laughs> I knew Vision was in the name. I'm not happy. All, well, you should be. I'm not happy I know well, this. That you're a pro, so you need, you should know things like this. Um, yeah, that was a store exclusive. Never saw it in the wild, ever. The only time I ever saw it for sale was at BotCon uh, that year, like just after it had come out, and everyone was asking like ridiculous prices, just ridiculous. And I would yeah. look for it, never see it, was stubborn about paying extra for it, finally gave up. Um, I I didn't go into a depressive state over it or anything, but eventually I gave up. And then, like, what, a year, two years later, whatever it was, um, it got re-released with, like, a better paint job. And uh, It was less than a year later. Yeah, so that worked out. <laughs> and that I did find. I remember that. That was easy to find. Yeah. I remember that from the 07 movie line era because everyone in the States was talking about this great Voyager Optimus. He doesn't look like the movie, but he's just like a great like Voyager price point Optimus Prime that turns into that truck. He's got a pop-up Peter Cullen with yeah. a cowboy hat. And I was like, oh, awesome I want to find that. gimmick of a little driver that would appear. Yeah, and then the RoboVision one was the only version, and it was it was going for nuts. And I remember a Canadian retailer, before it showed up in the States, had gotten that Voyager wave with the Voyager normal version of that Prime. And yeah. I, I think it was Cool Toys, one of the Cybertron CA sponsors. And I ordered that. I remember thinking, like, this normal Voyager version looks a hundred times, okay, ten times better than the RoboVision version. Because the RoboVision one was was really red, is what I remember. Like, like the robot mode had almost no blue on it or something like that. And then, like, the the normal Voyager version had a way more elegant paint scheme for a movie Prime. Now, the wasn't time, there a version that didn't have the driver? Like it was all the same except for they took the driver oh. out, and that was that uh, was available about the same time. That is going outside of the dumbass 
like readily accessible memory stuff that I got going on here. Yeah, I want to say that sounds really I familiar. Say the regular version didn't have the driver that popped up. It it might not have had the driver. You're right. I think it it I think it still had like a panel there, but it was like an empty seat or something. Something. I haven't looked at that toy in a while. Um, but yeah, I, I remember that whole saga about the RoboVision Prime. That was that's some fun stuff. O seven movie line stuff. Like that same thing happened to the modern Camaro Bumblebee as well. Like everyone was buying up that toy when he finally showed up in like what wave three or four. Uh, I found one at Kohl's and was so hype, and now I have given it away. I don't even have it anymore. You have, yeah, you've given it away, and you've also seen a great many Bumblebee toys. Oh, yeah. But at the time, that was, like, the one. Yeah, it had been out for, like, months, and I never found it. And then I went, oh, I'll check this toy department at this Kohl's, and they had, like, two. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, this is the greatest yeah. day of my life. <laughs> I remember I double took at it when I saw it because I'd been so used to seeing the '70s Camaro Bumblebee that like seeing like that beefier looking like it, like compared to the '70s one like that looked like a big thick high budget toy and uh, yeah I was really excited that day. Um, my own I got two stories off the top of my head that are somewhat like this. One of them is not an easily found toy. It's actually at the time it was a more rare toy. It was a brave toy called. Uh, Silver, or it was a God Silverion. It was like three guys who are all chrome silver that can combine together from the Goldran series. I'd finally seen one on eBay. It was in my price range. I went to the washroom and I had forgotten about when the auction was ending. And I went to the washroom not 20 minutes before the auction ended, but like two minutes before the auction ended. And I got out of the washroom, walked over to bid, and the auction was over. And I was so mad. <laughs> and I did not see a I did not see a God Silverion again for like over a year, and I spent at least two months just so bitter about that. I was like, how how did I misremember the end time? I had been watching that auction for literally a week. Uh, I was very disappointed. And like this is of course nowadays this probably sounds really stupid because nowadays it would be like, why didn't you bid on it while you were on the toilet with your phone? Because this was this was pre smartphone era. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that's one easy one. The other one is a story I've shared many times. I guess in 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 that weekend it was a readily accessible toy, but it was the BotCon where uh, Car Robots Brave Maximus was everywhere in the dealer room for ninety nine bucks, the Korean version, ninety nine US dollars for a Fortress Maximus, basically, uh, in Car Robots colors. They were all over the dealer room, and I was so sure that like, oh, these will be here next year. And they weren't. That was the one weekend where you could have easily gotten a... Everyone I knew had gotten a Brave Max. It was so cheap. Uh, and I was, and I had gotten some other stuff. And I was just like, no, nah, I'm going to get Brave Max next time. Because I'm sure he'll still be here. Never saw him for that price again. Yeah. Uh, and he, it, that, that somehow still even kind of bugs me to this day. Even though, like, you know, Encore Fort Max came out. And I dealt with actually having a copy of that figure finally but like it just like like at the time i was i can't believe how confident i was i would see that toy again yeah my, uh, my dad had a has a story um it was like mid 80s cds were still kind of a new thing uh an album 
uh, had come out on CD. It was like it was a rare record. Like he had it on vinyl, but like he didn't want to play the vinyl to protect it. It came out on CD, but it was like a really small run. Whenever he would go into a record store, he would always look for it. Would never find it. Finally sees it one day in a record store and goes, oh, cool, they have it. Um, But before I buy it, let me check this other thing next to it. And as he's flipping through some CDs, a guy walks up, reaches kind of through my dad, puts his hand straight in, pulls the CD out of the the shelf, like past my dad's face. The, the album he'd been looking for just floats past his face, walks to the counter, buys it, and leaves while he stood there paralyzed. And then it was, was like it his an, personal nemesis or something. <laughs> like, well, then it was like another six years before he found it again. God. <laughs> and when he finally just, found yeah. it again, it was like, here it is. I'm buying it and I'm leaving. <laughs> I don't care about anything else in this store. <laughs> God, six years that would kill me. Because like, also, why didn't I mean? Okay, hindsight's twenty twenty. Why did you just pick it up and hold on to it while you're flipping through the other thing? Exactly. Like exactly. <laughs> Like what? Oh. <laughs> if I were there and he had told me that story, like I don't know how I wouldn't yell at him. Like, dude, you, you were right there. Yeah, and this was before <laughs> the internet. You couldn't just go online and find somebody selling it somewhere and order it. He just had to hunt That's for like six me. more years until he found it again. Like, like one of the recurring dream settings. I some, you know how like you you'll have not literally a recurring dream, but sometimes just like a certain setting. Sometimes that you see in a lot of dreams mm-hmm. that feels like familiar. Like one of them is like this like nondescript '90s era department store toy section, and like that. Whenever I have a dream where I, I see that area, it's always the kind of thing where I'm like, oh, I'm just looking for this one thing. Oh, there it is. I'm just gonna look over here, and I look back, and the thing is gone. And it's not, it's not like a nightmare. It's just like a really weird, like, minor anxiety that manifests in these dreams of, like, oh, there's a thing I want. Uh, oh, no, it disappeared. Where'd it go? Oh, it must be around here somewhere. Um, it's, a, it's a weird it's a weird thing to get a hang-up about. But, like, even hearing that story, it's, like, giving me, like, twitches about that again. <laughs> Yeah, but like, like I'm, I'm, I'm big on, on like whenever I see something at Toys R Us and I know I might want it, I'm just like I'm gonna pick this up and hold on to it while I walk around. <laughs> yeah, I've done that a few times. Like walk something around and then decide, nah, and then go put it back. Uh, yep. Or actually buy it. Um, yeah, but kind of more toward the question. It's I've gotten to the point where I don't want to hunt for crap anymore. Like if I want it, I just want it. I just want to get it. Um, so if it's something that I know I want, so I'll pre-order it on Big Bad or whatever. And yeah, maybe it's a little more expensive doing it that way, but I've I think of it as a convenience tax. Like this is keeping me from having to go into Targets and Toys R Uses for a couple of months and be disappointed when I don't find the thing. I think in in our current era, you really have to think about what your area is like, because like just in the States, even I know anecdotally, you know, partly from you, even there are some areas where you just don't get new stuff for very long periods of time. 
And then, anecdotally, there are areas like friggin' Ben Piaz, uh, Toys R Us and Target that just is, it seems to be near a distribution center and sometimes, sometimes just gets tons of new stuff all the time. Yeah. And so, like, if, if it seems like your area is a very hard place to do toy hunting, then it's time to move away from the hunt yeah. and get into the online thing, I think. Cause you're spending money, even if you're taking, unless you are literally walking from your house, to your shopping area, you are spending some money to get there every time. And I mean, this is partly rationalization, but it is ha- it is entirely rationalization. It's how I rationalize online spending is like I'm, you know, the 10 bucks extra means that's like those could have been the three or four times I would have subwayed over to this Toys R Us to look around. Yeah. And when it's um, something that it's like, I know I want the whole wave. Especially if it's like, oh, I really love this Build-A-Figure that's part of this wave. Then I'm definitely pre-ordering the wave from Big Bad or whoever. Um, Because I would super go nuts if I couldn't find like the one or two figures to finish the wave or finish the Build-A-Figure for a long stretch of time. Yeah. with with Marvel figures especially, like I don't collect them very much, but every time I see a new wave of Build-A-Figure Marvel figures, I take a look. I have never in recent memory seen an entire Build-A-Figure on a rack, even at a – like maybe at a comic shop if I get there early. But like at Toys R Us and Walmart, I, I'll see lots of the wave, but there will always be one or two missing. Yeah, it's – And ha- it's like I've, if you want the Build-A-Figure. Yeah, I've had it happen of – a handful of times where I found an entire wave of like Marvel figures or whatever. There was one time I found like all but two and at a target and I had like all but the two in my cart and and we're looking, we're looking at an employee walks by and goes, Oh, you need help with anything? I'm like, man, there's no way you have these other two. Do you? He goes, Oh, I could check the back. Which, which ones are you looking for? And like point to the pictures on the back of the box, like this one and this one. He goes, I'll go look. And he comes back like 10 minutes later. He's like, yeah, there was a whole case back there. I just pulled these two out. He's like, awesome. You're awesome, dude. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, And then like in those cases, like on the rare times where I would find something in the store um, before it went into my big bad pile of loot, I would put it all in my cart, pull out my phone, log into big bad, cancel my pre-order and buy it then. Um, but that doesn't happen very often. Um, what's really yeah. great is, is if it's a case where I don't want a whole wave of something, like, say, Star Wars figures, but the only way to make sure I got the, the figures that I did want was to order the whole wave, and then I find only the figures that I want in the store before Big Bad gets it, and then I go, That's fantastic. awesome, now I can buy these three, <laughs> cancel the pre-order, and not have to get the other two that I didn't want. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, it's like just for the convenience. I uh, I constantly just check Big Bad and pre-order stuff that I that I want. I, I was going to say, like, I, I to just to Bioblade specifically, I'm with you in that it is always so much more rewarding to just come across a figure you're looking for in person. Yeah, it's way more but fun. But especially, like, I... I, I don't know if, if you live in the States or not. If you live in the States and you are, you know, you're actively looking for, you know, popular toys and you're down for like whole waves, maybe. I'm not sure if you are. Like, 
you guys in the States have got shops like Big Bad and, and Chosen Prime and TF Source who do like flat rate shipping. Like the Big Bad pile of loot flat rate being four bucks. I'm like, I don't even know why a lot of you Americans even shop around stores anymore unless the Big Bad markup is too big. Because like four bucks to ship an indeterminate giant stack of toys to you at your whim uh, is amazing, I think. Yeah, a and lot of times. Kind of, it, yeah, a lot of times that base shipping from Big Bad plus whatever couple of bucks more a thing might be a lot of times yeah. it's about the same as california sales tax yeah I, like a lot of a lot of america based uh like and like just for shipping inside america a lot of those e-tailers are i think able to do you a better deal than hunting like in canada the lowest cost shipping is still high enough. And the fact that also online shopping inside Canada still has tax attached to it. it in Canada, there's still a lot of benefit to finding stuff in person. Um, but in the States, I feel like uh, online retailers have really taken a lot of that away as far as like other, other than just that basic, you know, primal feeling of, Oh, I found a thing I'm looking for, you know, that you can get finding it on the, on the shelf. That's like a mo- it's a momentary high that maybe isn't worth it if you especially if you find it often happens that you miss out on things you're looking for like if you're in the states just order it online like there's no reason not to for the most part unless the cost is just a huge markup um I wish I wish it was that cheap to ship stuff inside Canada <laughs> yeah well speaking of uh, it would be bad and prices and stuff I know you got the rock did you ever get the Steve Austin I picked up both of them okay. uh, at that Toys R Us. Yeah, yeah my photos were my, – my big photo shoot when I got The Rock was also the Steve Austin beer-drinking head inside of his underpants. Oh, right. I, uh, I forgot. I forgot you got the Steve. That, that was a cursed image. You could easily yeah. forget it. It was terrible. Well, they're both 30 bucks on Big Bad right now. Yeah, I saw I saw in that wrestling DM. <laughs> and I was going to – I don't think I said in there because I think I was, I was driving somewhere or something. But I thought – the way I do, uh, thirty bucks for those figures. If you like wrestling whatsoever, it's like you should just do it. Like just do it. Like you can do so many dumb things with those two figures. Okay, so like some of these figure arts have appeared at Toys R Us's. Like I know both the Rock and Steve Austin, and they did some Power Rangers a couple years ago. Yep, I have never seen any of those at at my local <laughs> Toys R Us. Except for now, they have about twenty Steve Austins, but they're <laughs> they're behind the counter in the video game section. Yeah, the, where the they're so almost Bluefin... impossible to to see. Like you, like yeah. I, I almost never noticed it. And then I'm like, wait, what's that? What they have like twenty Steve Austins back there, and no one's ever gonna the, buy them because they don't know they're there. American Toys R Us is now are supposed to have a Tamashi uh, like shelf uh, near where like all the NECA stuff is with the older kid toys. There's some, there should now be at most Toys R Us is like a shelf. It'll have like Sailor Moon stuff as well. Um, if you ever see Dragon Ball or Sailor Moon stuff, that's where fig arts are also supposed to be. No, my and now my Toys R Us behind the video game counter are the twenty Steve Austins and all the good Amiibos. And <laughs> and like some other like electronic kind of things, because like like the fig arts uh, Ch- Chun Li and Ryu from Street Fighter should also be out now, along with the fig arts Chris Nolan Batman from huh. Dark Knight Rises. 
because uh, I saw all of those in American Toys R Us uh, a month ago. No, I haven't been to this Toys R Us in about a month now. Maybe they've changed. Yeah. <laughs> if not, then like I don't this I don't know if this means anything, but I know I've seen it happen where like you could also tweet like Bluefin Tamashi and go like, "Hey, my Toys R Us doesn't have a, a, a Tamashi section. Like, what's up?" Like they might they might. I think I've seen them give an answer to that at least once or twice. Well, I might, but I'm not a snitch. You should completely snitch. What are they? Listen, Toys R Us isn't a person. It can't. It can't give you stitches. Oh, like, I've it seen has no Jeffrey. feelings. Oh, I've no. seen Jeffrey walking around. <laughs> not messing with Jeffrey. What's uh, what's going on at your Toys R Us? It just sounds like a bad place. Some crime going Got on. Stitch Jeffrey and yeah. <laughs> You say grimy or crimey? Both. <laughs> yeah, so I was gonna say it sounds like both. Uh, <laughs> anyway, hope that helped, Bioblade. Um, that kind of commiseration, I completely also understand. Just wanted to hear some stories like that. I'd be feeling the same way. I I really feel for you. Um, that first edition Optimus is ridiculous on the aftermarket. Um, the, the Prid Voyager Megatron has gotten ridiculous. Uh, I would say almost. It would be worth eyeballing Mandarake for the Japanese version because once you're hitting 70 bucks for the American version, I feel like maybe for like a similar price, you might be able to find the Japanese one, which I believe had at least different colors. So you could, you know, deceive yourself into feeling like you're getting a premium out of it. Uh, but yeah, fingers crossed for you. I hope you can eventually find this figure. You know, I, my words are do, do not give up. Never give up because the toys are out there. This, the sellers will eventually need to realize what people will pay for them. And if no one's buying them at 70 bucks, then they will come down to 60. Look, I say the sooner you give up on your dreams, the sooner you could just get on with real life. And making new dreams. No. Oh. Just got to give. Just settle into a, a normal ass job and a normal ass life. Well, speaking if of you dreams, haven't made it by now, you're not gonna. <laughs> what if we're talking to? I know he's older than this, but what if we were talking to like an 18 year old? <laughs> and it's like, listen. Well, it depends on his dream. If your he generation, he's if you're play not pro baseball, it's too late. You're not making it. If you're not, if you're not famous on YouTube by now, yeah. You got no careers ahead of you except for Joe Jobs. So just go. For, sorry, it's your it's your part of this generation. Unfortunately, is is in that position. Yeah, if you don't have that gold YouTube play button by now, you never are. Now, if you don't have the diamond one, that's the no. <laughs> that's the that's the new top echelon, I believe. Uh, Seth, let's talk about what we got this week. Speaking of dreams, speaking of. Of, of victories, I got I got some I got some on topic stuff this week. Did you find any on topic stuff? Did the, the drought break? No, I haven't even right. I haven't even been hunting. I haven't been to well a Target. Like, hey, the last time we went to Target was while I was in the waiting room at the vet hospital. <laughs> so I didn't even go into that Target. Understandably. <laughs> Uh, well, I got I got some retro toys because uh, I'm over in, I'm still on the West Coast during this recording, so I went back to Cherry Bomb Toys and uh, I got myself some Power Dashers because they had some Power Dashers. Uh, 
And I'm on this little Diaclone kick, and the Power Dashers are Hello Diaclone, because they straight up have a big old Diaclone chair on all of their goofy alt modes. So they had three Power Dashers. Um, one of them is a Transformers one. It's the Transformers version of the Jet one. Uh, but then they had the Diaclone versions of the Jet one and the Drill one. And the Drill one, it's it's not really apparent whether or not he's the Diaclone version, but I realized he was, A, because he had all the extra Diaclone stickers, and B, because his drill was actually pointy and not like a blunted thing like the Transformers release. So all of these guys have pretty chipped up chrome, and part of the reason I got them is also I recently got some Molotow liquid chrome pens, and I've really wanted to try restoring chrome on old toys with those liquid chrome pens because I heard it can turn out pretty well. So I'm going to give that a shot. But uh, the Power Dashers, for those who don't know, there's a jet, a questionable F1 racer, and a drill tank, and they all have a pullback motor and fairly simple transformations. I kind of like them a lot, at least the jet and the drill tank. The F1 racer guy, I'm not super sad that he wasn't at Cherry Bomb. Like, I might pick him up someday, but, like, that dude is kind of a mess. That was the one I had uh, as a kid. Oh, dear, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to talk smack on your childhood Power Dasher. Uh, it, it was uh, not my favorite Transformer. <laughs> no, no, he he's the one where they should have figured out some other alt mode. Because, like, the jet works, and it's actually very clever. The drill tank works because you can't really screw up a drill tank. The one where he's trying to be an F1 racer, but his his aerodynamic spoiler is also his entire lower leg and feet uh, is is doesn't work as well. Um, but the, the pullback motors all work on these guys. The Transformers version of the jet I just spotted actually has a f two sev severely nasty fractures uh, in his uh, right arm one of the two one of the the chrome pieces so i'm gonna when i get back to toronto i'm gonna pop some gorilla glue in there and let that set before i i try to do the chrome refurbishment um but yeah like i got the i got the, the omnibots i needed last time i was talking on the podcast now i got the power dashers and uh i'm feeling pretty good like i, I don't usually get excited about older transformers toys but like, maybe these are for non-Transformers reasons I'm really into these guys. Like, the Omnibots I mentioned before remind me a whole lot of Machine Robo as well. And then these little Power Dasher dudes are just, like, the most Diaclone-ass things. And I'm, I'm starting to have this Diaclone uh, spasm in my brain. So I'm, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, I always like Seth, the Omnibots. So... I love the Omnibots. Now that I got all three? Oh, my God. They're great. I'm looking at them now. They're across the table from me. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, um, yeah, like, I never had them as a kid. And kind of in the early days of me trying to get back into collecting, I would kind of hunt for them. Um, I guess this is a case of something that I, going back to that, question about missing out on something um mm. there were times in those early days where like thinking back on the prices that they were selling for then and thinking it was too expensive and what you might have to pay for them now um i missed some good opportunities <laughs> oh man all you yeah now that you have me thinking about 90s era eBay and all the things I didn't buy on 90s era eBay, there are a lot of G1 toys that I'll probably never oh, get. I remember <laughs> that I when you could have easily gotten the blue G2 
um, um, Grimlock mint yeah. in on card, never opened, twenty bucks, no problem. Well, there was a period where that like the the G two non G one color Dinobots were kind of like the dealer junk. Yeah. They were like the leftovers after someone had gotten the you know the quote unquote good ones. Uh, yeah, like the oh man. Like it, if I really want to lay into myself, like there's a lot of pre two thousand seven botcon spending that I could have done differently that would have probably made me appreciate G one toys a lot longer. Because uh, now a lot of G one toys are way more expensive than what I want to pay for what they do and for the nostalgia connections I do have for them. Um, because I, I think what really ruined me in the two thousands before oh seven was the sheer number of reissue toys. Like, I got into the mindset of, like, they're going to reissue everything eventually, so what's the point, you know? Like, if I want a G1 toy, it'll come out again eventually. Uh, and so I let a lot of really good deals slide right by me um, as I picked up, like, all the newer, fresher stuff, which I was also really happy with. Uh, but, yeah, like, stuff like the Omnibots, like, I'm I'm amazed how much I'm connecting with these these little guys. Like, I had two of them growing up, but getting nicer tighter versions um i got i got the repro labels uh on the way so i'm gonna re-sticker them once i get back to toronto i'm, I'm really looking forward to it uh if you want to know sadness though i because these power dashers didn't come with any of the diaclone drivers you should go on ebay and type in diaclone driver and look at the price of a diaclone driver who's not from the new series it's pretty uh i have two intense I have two. They and are. One's missing the magnets from his feet. Okay, that one might not be worth as much. Because I saw single Diaclone driver, like a pack, the pack of five Diaclone drivers from Multiforce, someone was selling for like two hundred and seventy-five dollars hmm. for just the five drivers. Uh, probably not a good deal because there were some semi-complete multi-forces with drivers uh, that were around the same price but still like single diaclone drivers on ebay are like nuts like i understand now why people have been trying to crack the code on 3d printing them or or you know coming up with their own versions i can see why the eight packs of the new ones are probably selling pretty well because uh, they you know they're the same size uh anyway Seth, did you get anything off-topic this I got week? one off-topic thing, and it arrived today, and I was opening oh. it uh, while we were chatting before we started recording. So all my hot takes are fresh, Here and we they're go. disappointed. Uh. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so last time I had just gotten the Romna one-half Ryoga, and we were discussing... Yes. And trying to puzzle out if they were doing any more Romna figures. It seems like they're not. So I said, well, I had skipped shampoo. I might as well get shampoo. Here's a case of where waiting paid off. Because I got shampoo a lot cheaper than I would have if I got her right away. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know if this is a problem across the board. But her neck joint is pretty loose. Uh, and she's got a lot of hair, and so the hair oh. is causing her to kind of look up all the time. It's like weighing back. Yeah, there's no way to lever, level her head out. And then, oh, so sucks. the way the pin works is, so I thought, okay, well, maybe if I turn the pin in her neck 
So the articulation isn't up and down, but instead it would go left to right, then it wouldn't be able to tip backwards. But the pin doesn't go straight down into her neck, straight up into her head. It goes straight down into her neck and then 90 degrees into the back of her head. So there's no way to reorient that that joint to Damn. turn the other way, which is a bummer. Uh, then her left leg falls off. Um, <laughs> it just falls off. Um, you could get it to stay back on until you touch it and then it pops off. And then, um, I've been kind of looking at it while we've been doing the episode here and I'm noticing there's like a big chunk of flash on the ball. So it's basically just a a ball and socket holding her leg on. And so there's Mm -hmm. a big chunk of flash. So the, the ball is not getting into the joint all the way. So I should be able okay. to fix that just by scraping that flash off. But the neck seems okay, to yeah. be a, a problem. So if if the if it so the hinge of the neck is the part that's that's yeah. loose is what you mean, right? Yeah. Um if you can get like a Q tip and a little a little dish of floor polish mm-hmm. and kinda of use the Q tip to feed floor polish into the hinge, that might help. Yeah. That would that would be the first thing I try at least. Um and it, like I mean, technically you could just wipe it all over the hinge and it'll seep in. But using a Q-tip, like, it's just a good, more controlled way to do that. Uh, and then any excess you can kind of wipe off afterwards. Yeah. And then if you leave it for a day or two, you know, mess around with the hinge while it's drying, like, that should logically that should uh, tighten the neck hinge through sheer attrition. Yeah. Uh, if it doesn't work right away. Well, it's almost too bad her hair isn't articulated like some other figures with lots of hair I've seen in the past where you could just move it tighter to her back because it kind of angles out away from her body. So there's lots of room for it to pull her chin up as it tilts back. Um, But one thing that's really cool is like, so I knew she comes with the cat version of herself. Uh, what I didn't know mm-hmm. is the head on that thing's articulated. You could move the head around. Oh, cool. Which is more than P-Chan could do, which is just a solid little piece of plastic. Not like that pig design would have a lot of room for articulation anyway. Um, I was just no, not you'd expecting. No, creative. Yeah, I just wasn't expecting the, the cat's head to move. And then Man. she comes with a special wrist joint. And a pair of hands that are clasped together with, like, the fingers interlocked. Um, That's kind of neat. And a bowl of food and her delivery, food delivery box. Mm -hmm. And then, like, all the stuff you'd expect. A bunch of hands, a bunch of faces, a stand. Um, Uh, That's a shame about the neck joint, but... At least you're at least you're nearly complete on the Ranma figures. Now you just need I to am. get uh, the panda. Oh no, that's you just get the panda. No, that's you're a com- different. That's a different line. <laughs> that's not a sh figure art. That's that's a different line. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a dig around see if I can find that panda for cheap. If I, I if I, really I found want you to get it cheap panda. enough, I I would get it. Yeah. If it was cheap enough, and I don't know what cheap enough would be, I'll know it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, I I was like, oh man, that looks great. Wait, what does figure art zero mean? Oh, there's no, it's a statue. Man, there's got to be. Okay, I took, I just did a quick look on Mandarake. I can't I can't see the panda on here. Also, holy crap, the fig arts are expensive for Ranma on on, on Mandarake. Because I think they didn't get uh, wide releases in Japan. No. Or not all of them. Like, the Akane fig arts is like 10,000 yen on here. That's like 90 well, bucks. Well, that was also an exclusive for somewhere. I forget who okay. it was exclusive to, but yeah, the Akane is just going to be expensive. I paid a bit yeah. for it. Like, I don't think I paid anything insane, but it's far and away the most expensive that i paid for um that's kind of that's, that's killing my idea of finding genma for inexpensive on here because it seems like in the japanese market the ranma fig arts are not even the cheapest ones are still above a certain line for fig arts prices yeah oh man Genma's not even showing up in a wide like just searching for the word genma on here <sighs> well i got shampoo on amazon for 34 bucks that's a good fig arts price. Yeah. She was more expensive than that. Oh, hang on, how much was the shampoo that was on here? She was sold out, but the last one that was on here was four thousand yen, which is about thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, I'm glad that you finished the series. Seeing how that Genma does not seem to exist anymore. Unfortunately, <laughs> it is the finish of the series. Where's my Tetawana Kuno? And where's my moose? Yeah, yeah. Those are the two more I yeah. would want. If they only were going to do two more. Um, oh, here's Genma on Amazon for $54. Yeah, that's... For a, for a zero, I hate the idea of paying more what? than 50 bucks for a zero. Oh, man. What? Well, Amazon has that a cane for fifty, and I paid more than that. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I um, wish I had paid fifty for a cane. <laughs> that's a good price, given how much he's costing on Mandarake yeah. too. At least I, it seems like, like using Mandarake as a litmus test for the Japanese market, anyway. I should say it's fifty dollars uh, for Pichan, and then it comes with an Akane accessory. Right. <laughs> <laughs> comes comes with some girl, some some baka. Yeah, there's also other uh, outfits for a couple characters. I wouldn't have mind them doing, like with with Akane being an exclusive. I just assumed that there would have been another Akane figure. Um, that would have happened. Like I wonder, like maybe in her karate gi. I wonder if their sales just didn't do very well. Maybe. Like, a five-figure run seems like... That's longer than what some series have gotten, but that also seems like after they put out actual Ranma A and B, like, maybe things really tapered off. Yeah. Uh, Interest-wise. Um, well, it got anything me... Anything else in your end you want to talk that, about? That's, that's the important part. It is. I got a very full belly on Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, jeez. 
getting that whatever the chemical is in Turkey that I keep forgetting every year. Tryptophan. Tryptophan. Getting some of that tryptophan overdose. There's not enough tryptophan in Turkey to really be in effect. You'd have to eat so much turkey that you'd have other problems besides the tryptophan. Also, there is as much tryptophan in Turkey as there is in chicken. So... People don't go, oh, man. That's why I keep... <laughs> I ate these chicken wings, and I'm so tired. <laughs> hey, I've, I've been tired after chicken wings before, yeah, but, but did you probably because I just eat too much. No, I blamed it on my gluttony. No, you get you get sleepy and want a nap on Thanksgiving because you probably had to get up early. You probably... It's probably been a busy day, and then you just finished eating like a friggin' pig. So you're going into a and food you also, coma. And you probably also like had lengthy, lengthy conversation. If you went you know, to, to meet up with family to the dinners where you would ostensibly have tons of turkey, you probably also had very long conversations with lots of people. And you're probably just actually exhausted, is my understanding. Yeah. But uh, people want to blame it on this chemical in the food that doesn't matter. Get over did it. Did you see, not to... This is one little tangent that I feel is worth covering for for the LARFs. Uh, did you see the kind of concerted effort this I felt like this year was the loudest effort I've ever seen of firefighters and ex-firefighters trying to get the word out that if you're going to deep fry a turkey, you have to let it thaw first or your house will explode. Oh, no, I've been hearing that story for a while. Yeah, they uh, like there was a video going around this Thanksgiving where a fire department actually set up like outdoors a cutaway fake kitchen. And they took with like a huge like stick with a rope on the end to lower it in. They lowered a fully frozen turkey oh, yeah. into a, a pot of oil, it's and then like there was really just cool. a fireball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I was like, this is awesome, except for the part where this might happen in someone's face. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, first, I'm not out looking to fry turkeys, um, whole turkeys, and two, let's say the decision was made, we got to fry a turkey this year. We're gonna do that outside. I uh, I showed my mom that video, and her question was, "Why do people deep fry turkeys?" And I didn't have a good answer for her. Just say Americans. <laughs> I mean, people people don't do that. I mean, I Only guess. Americans do that. <laughs> no people. <laughs> like I, what I said to her is, I feel like I didn't really hear about lots of people deep frying turkeys until the last like five years. But I'm not sure if that's just, like, my memory playing tricks on me. You know, like, confirmation bias stuff. Maybe that's when, like, awareness kind of filtered its way up to you. But I want to say it's been a thing for at least ten years. Okay. Yeah, my mom was so confused by the idea. She was like, why are they putting in the deep fryer? And I was like, all right, I wasn't prepared to answer this question because I... I don't have a good answer. Oh, God. People deep fry lots of things. That's my only answer. I saw a retweet of somebody bragging about how down in Louisiana, they boil their whole turkey with uh, crayfish. They, they do a crawdad Whoa. boil with a turkey in it. And that seems... It's got to be a huge pot. <laughs> well, like, those big crawfish boils are... Uh, yeah. Like, it's a massive pot, and you're boiling up, like, a thousand of these little things. But uh, yeah. that also sounds really gross. Like, <laughs> like I, I like some crayfish. I'll eat some crayfish with you. 
Um, I don't want to eat a turkey that was boiled in the same water. <laughs> I don't want to eat a turkey that I, was I've boiled. Been... That sounds gross. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, seen, I've seen and I've, here. <laughs> I've seen and I've had boiled chicken before. And like, I, Ugh, like, I think yeah. there is a way you can do it well, but I've never had nice boiled meat, you know, like it, it and, and like, I open this up to the listenership. If we got any culinary culinaries out there who can like point me in the right direction, like, like, is there a nice way to boil meat like that? Because, like, like, I think of boiling meat as, like, at most the side effect of, like, broiling and steaming stuff a little bit. Like, if you close the lid for sausages that you're cooking in a pan. But, like, I'm not dumping them in, into the wall. Like, I, I've boiled sausages, but that's, like, European wiener sausages. Yeah, uh, like, boiled hot dogs is a thing. Like that's the only yeah that's yeah too. but I'd just as soon wrap up a, a hot dog in a paper towel microwave it then boil it or you could be a friggin' idiot like our stupid former roommate like when we were renting that townhouse <laughs> okay. and we had this dummy living with us to make the rent um, he ruined some of my girlfriend's Tupperwares and like you don't mess with my girlfriend's Tupperware she is serious about it like she buys so how, how did nice you ruin stuff and don't touch it without permission sort of a thing so he decided he wanted to boil hot dogs but instead of putting water in a pot and then putting the hot dogs in the pot on the stove he filled one of these tupperwares with water and then put the hot dogs in them and then microwaved the hot dogs in plastic tupperware in water to boil them and the tupperware no matter how much you tried to wash it never didn't smell like hot dogs it, it like infused the hot dog odor into the plastic so i've been <laughs> i've been actually speechless for the last 10 <laughs> seconds i feel like it's more work to do what he did then to grab a it pot never would have and put it on the stove? Me. It never would have crossed my mind to fill a Tupperware container with water and then microwave hot dogs in it. Never would have crossed like, my yeah, mind. Yeah, getting for that to be your point B feels like a much more difficult and winding journey than your point B being I'll fill a pot with water and put it on the stove. If my way of microwaving a hot dog is wrapping in a paper towel, put it in the microwave. Yes! <laughs> That's what the point of a microwave is. And any juices that I'm leak out of the thing while it's heating gets soaked up by the paper towel. I'm sure it's been a while, but I'm like now freshly irritated at your former ex-roommate. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a dummy. Like that's that's a real cons. I I mean that's like it's hard for me to not feel like he was just trying to screw up the Tupperware. Like that's you have to really. It's more work. It is more work to do that than to just use a friggin' pot on a pan or on a, on a stovetop on a pan. And it'd be super easy uh, to clean that pot because you know, really all you gotta yes. do is rinse it out and maybe like give it a quick wipe with a soapy sponge and then rinse the, the soap out because nothing's going to be stuck also, to you, it. Like you didn't like all you have to cook do. anything that's going to stick to the inside of the pot. All you have to do to heat water in a pot is put water in the pot and turn the thing to the right. Like for a microwave, you have to punch in a number. You have to think about what number to punch in. You, you, you. I, I assume have to at least do the smallest bit of hypothetical science in your head of like how long would I need to microwave these hot dogs in this vat of water for them to be cooked? 
Suffi- sufficiently? What an idiot. What a- <laughs> okay, well, he's not my roommate, uh, I can't, and he's not your roommate. I can't wait till this so. episode comes out so I can play this segment for her. She's going to love it. <laughs> like, I'm actually mad. Oh, my God. Because it's not like an innocent mistake. It's like a really prolonged series of stupid decisions that well, this guy is super most thinking too. people could ass- <laughs> Like, he would make, okay, so he would make sandwiches in the morning to take to work. I do that, too. It's something that people do. You make a sandwich that for lunch. When I make a sandwich, I rip off a section of paper towel. I lay it on the counter. I put the slices of bread on the paper towel and make my sandwich. Okay. He takes his slices of bread and just puts them straight onto the counter. Like that counter. If the counter's clean. Unless. Look, the only way I would do that is if I just finished cleaning the counter myself. And then I cleaned it again immediately afterwards. He would just walk up to the counter. He doesn't know what's been going on on that counter in in the time before he decided to lay his bread directly on it. Like there could have been a mess there. Like all kind of, the cat could have jumped up on there and scraped his ass across it for all he knows. <laughs> and fifty percent chance that it happened at some point. He doesn't know what the he does not know the last thing that came in contact with that surface was, and he just slaps the bread straight down on top of it. I would watch I mean, him do like, it, and I would like think that is horrendous. You could not pay me to eat that sandwich now. Also, you bought the cheapest, grossest bread you could find. You're putting way too much mayonnaise on it, and now you're putting like grocery outlet friggin' generic past code date cold cuts onto it. I wouldn't eat the sandwich for anything. <laughs> grocery outlet is like the second hand grocery store chain around here. I mean, I got other questions. <laughs> like if okay, A, if this is a sandwich he's he's making to eat at home, why wouldn't you put it on the plate? No, it's like the take to work. So he does all this and then he puts okay. it into a plastic bag. And okay, because the other one is if you're taking it to work, why would you not just do it on the thing you're going to wrap it up in? Well, I mean, if you're putting it into a sandwich bag, you can't really because it's not big enough. Okay. Because, I mean, also the way I think is if I put something in a sandwich bag, I still want to wrap it in paper towels so it's not rubbing all over the the inside of the sandwich. Maybe that's more the way I I think. I just put it straight into the sandwich bag. I mean, that's what it's for. But no, I would never. Never. You might as well. He might as well have put the bread on the floor and done it down there. In in my <laughs> mind, it's as gross. I mean, how do you know that never happened? Maybe that happened it once. Probably did. Like this seems like the kind of dude who who drops his sandwich on the floor, bad side down, and then just kind of like gives it a gives it a brush with the hand. God, the part because I was yeah, I'm thinking about the part where there's also a cat just wandering around. Like I wouldn't put stuff on. St- stuff uh well like i would be yeah. I, i'd be doing dishes and getting ready to load up the dishwasher and i'd be like hey man um if you have any dishes i'm like loading up the dishwasher like if you have any dishes in your room which you're not supposed to like why would you um could you just bring them down and i would ask that way because i knew he had dishes up there because like there weren't enough plates like <laughs> i know we had more plates than this and then I would like completely misjudge what was missing. And like he would wait yeah. until like I stepped away from the kitchen and then like come hustling down the stairs, 
like trying to block what he was carrying with his body and then start frantically trying to rinse it off before I got to it. And he'd have like a stack of dishes, like plates and bowls and like five <laughs> or six forks. And it's like, why are you hoarding dirty dishes in your room? <laughs> also, there's no telling how long this has been up there. The food you left stuck to the inside of this bowl is not coming off, dude. You got to soak this in water for like a day to get all this crap out from the inside of this bowl. Stop keeping crap in your room. Why do you keep taking dishes upstairs and not bringing them back down? <laughs> yeah, again, I'm trying to do the jump here with my head. I feel like at a certain point, it's more work to make room for all those dishes hidden in the bedroom than it is to because because to me the thing you the lazy thing that you do when you're feeling lazy is you just toss it in the sink run some water and walk away and like sure at some point maybe oh this plate's been on my desk all day because i'm too lazy to carry it back but like if it is a giant stack of plates and bowls and multiple forks like that had to, to occupy a spot and then that becomes more work than hiding it okay there were four steak knives one goes missing. We don't know where it's at. Hey, man, do you have the the fourth steak knife in your room? No, I don't think so. Uh, can you check? Oh, it's not there. Oh, can you check? I guess I'll check. It's not in there. Are you sure? It's not in there. I don't have it. I don't know where it is. All right. He moves out. We find the steak knife in the room. <laughs> he left it in the room when he moved out. Um, you know what? You know what? All of these stories have a happy ending because they're all in the past tense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's somebody else's problem now. He's renting a room from some other guy. Yeah. He's he's who knows how much of that dude's crap is growing mold under his bed. <laughs> like I'm not a super clean person. I'm a pretty cluttered, messy person. But oh, like there I'll are... generate some clutter. We we spent it took us yeah. a week to get this place presentable for Thanksgiving to have people over. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not a paragon of cleanliness in any way, shape, I'm or not form. Keeping so, like, dirty I'm not trying to snob on anyone. <laughs> yeah, neither am I. But, <laughs> but I still, I hope I don't make people feel like you know I'm somehow like third hand judging whatever their habits are. Like, listen, like you probably are fine, okay? Like. If you're operating on the simple logic of what's the least amount of work, you're doing better than the the gentleman we're talking about, it seems. Because that degree of stuff is, well, that becomes more work. It's just like the friggin' boiling a hot dog in a pit of water in a piece of Tupperware. That's more work than doing it the right way. So why would you do it that way? Anyway... That's been a podcast, I think. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. If you have any roommate stories you'd like to share, you know, I like to think of the podcast sub form as a friendly place of of uh, of, of collaborative. Uh, I forgot the word now. Uh, where we commiseration. So, like, you know, let 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 loose a little bit if you. <laughs> If these stories have inspired you to want to get some weight off your chest, feel free. You know, just adhere to the board rules, please. No politics. Uh, and uh, Seth, thank you for joining sure. me. And then for sharing all these wonderful tales. <laughs> and 
of some of the most inexplicable behavior one can <laughs> leaving the cd you've been uh, hunting for to get snatched up by somebody else moldy dishes under a bed apparently just the hot the hot dog thing is is another level that's another level like like i was waiting for you to tell me that he also wrapped the hot dogs in paper towel before he put them in the water or something like like he, he remembered parts of it but all the wrong parts uh anyway we'll talk to you all later yeah yeah it's been good it's been a good one uh and uh you know power of the prime stores is starting to come out so you know last last episode tj had gotten the deluxes aaron had gotten one of the deluxes uh and we'll, we'll see if someday me and seth can find any of these uh in the meantime stay safe and uh if you're american have a have a belated happy thanksgiving yeah.